Okay, welcome everyone to In the Lord's Vineyard, the podcast where we strive to see the hand of the Lord in the gathering of Israel. I'm your host, Jason Allen, and I'm joined by my beautiful wife and co-host, Carrie. Thanks for being here, Carrie. Happy to be here. Now, we're really excited about today's guest. He is someone I think we've been friends for almost 20 years. Go back to 2004, I believe, sophomore year in high school. So he is a man I highly look up to. He's a man without guile. He's about as good as they come. So we're really excited to have Spencer Bickmore on here tonight. So, Carrie, would you mind introducing him to our guests? Yeah. So Spencer is from Sandy, Utah, where he was raised. He's currently living in Riverton, Utah. He's been married for 11 and a half years and has four kids with one more on the way, which is really exciting. For work, he is a CPA and he works in corporate accounting, which is awesome. Some of his hobbies include hanging out with family, mountain biking, fishing, and anything outdoors. And a fun fact about Spencer, he likes to cook outside, which is kind of interesting. We'd have to ask you more about that. But we're excited to have you on here, Spencer. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be on. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Again, 20 years of friendship, man. All the stories we could tell about each other. But today we're focusing on some other stuff. So I'm excited to have Spence on. He's a good friend, a good man. So this is going to be fun. Let's start, Spencer, if you don't mind. Maybe tell us about your mission. What mission did you serve in? What was it like? What were the members like? Yeah, Sure. Uh, so I served in the Canada Calgary mission and I served from, uh, 2008 to 2010. I mean, right about the time, I guess that you served Jason. So yeah, right. we, we kind of actually left maybe even the same month or thereabouts together. So anyway, different missions, but yeah, so Canada Calgary mission. So, um, it's actually directly North of where we're at here in Utah. So same time zone, everything like that. So you just kind of keep going up until you get to Alberta as the province, but so ours went a little bit to Saskatchewan and then into British Columbia, but basically Alberta and kind of that province down to the U.S. border up to um, up to Calgary, I guess, I suppose, and then kind of a bit like triangle from there into British Columbia and Saskatchewan. But it was good. Yeah, so fun time there. As far as the number of missionaries that we had, uh, we had about 230 at any given time, thereabouts. Uh, I think actually the funny thing was uh, because it's cold mission, right? There's a lot of snow and it gets cold or whatever. I mean, the Edmonton is Edmonton mission, Edmonton mission, I guess. Sorry, is above us as far as that goes geographically. But I think we had the most cars for whatever reason, like per mission capita. So <laughs> I actually never went without having a car. There was a few walking areas like downtown district, but we always had a car. So most missionaries did, which is kind of funny. But yeah, I mean, as far as the members and what they're like, uh, it's very westernized, right? Similar to like here in the states utah arizona colorado like places like that idaho so very westernized um in that sense so it's same thing except for they're just on like a metric system i guess if you will that <laughs> um then the uh, the u.s on the imperial system and so other than that i mean same same type of people calvary though is really big so there's a, about a million people in calvary um, in that city probably now it's probably a million too but you get a really diverse people there so it's, it's a melting pot of like people from India and all sorts of different kind of cultures and things like that, Africa and, you know, different Hispanic countries and Asian countries and things. So you kind of get a, a good mix of people, I guess, inner city as you get, maybe most inner cities are that way. But then as, as far as like you get further out from the city in more of maybe the smaller towns, kind of the country towns, farming communities, definitely kind of like your typical probably farming community that you would have around the U.S. So in that melting pot area where you had all um, people from all over, did you have missionaries speaking different languages or was it strictly English speaking? 
Yeah, so I was an English-speaking missionary, and most were. So there was a, a branch that was Spanish. There was a branch that was Cantonese and Mandarin that spoke as well. So, yeah, it was English, Mandarin, and then uh, Spanish. But uh, the Spanish missionaries and the Mandarin missionaries, they actually never left Calgary because that's kind of where every all of their like mission target was, I guess if you call it that, where all the other English speakers would, would move to like maybe outer cities and, you know, surrounding cities, things like that. But all of the other uh, called missionaries to the other languages would be inner city, mostly. That's awesome. That's cool. Sounds like a great mission other than the cold. I don't think I would have liked that. So glad I went <laughs> south of the border, you went north of the border. So we just kind of yeah. split the difference. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the summer was really nice, really nice. It's really green up there. So, and it's really cool that the water is like turquoise. Like you see kind of some pictures of like Banff or other places like that in Alberta and, uh, you know, British Columbia. It looks just like the pictures. So it's really beautiful. But yeah, the, the snow is, is cold. So <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I didn't go there. But would you mind, Tice, what was the church like up there? What were the members like? Yeah. So um, I would say the members are very similar to here, except for, and, and maybe this is like a lot of places. So Calgary, a very populated city, right? You had essentially stakes that were around kind of like the the whole metropolitan city, if you will. Not that many stakes. I think there was probably, well, when I served, there was probably somewhere in the ballpark of like 10 stakes in that whole area. So not that many, right? In comparison to like Utah or, or like where we live here. So um, normally each, each uh, missionary companionship only served into one ward. So you would have a bunch of companionships in that one stake. And then and because of the wars geographically were fairly large, in Calgary at least, right, you would have one missionary to either one or perhaps two wars. But I would say like the members are, are just like they would be here. Uh, very close knit. I think because of one, there's maybe not as many members like in neighborhoods as it would be. So like maybe you have one neighbor on a street and then a few streets over, there's maybe one, na- one member that's there, right? And so just kind of geographically, the wards are bigger. And so I would say like the camaraderie in the community of the wards is probably, you know, pretty good because they kind of rely on each other. And when they come to church, it's a really good thing. And with, you know, all of the different uh, activities and things they do, like everyone actually goes, right? Which is kind of cool where sometimes here, right? Hey, it's really convenient to like maybe not go for whatever reason because it's just down the street or, you know, your members are really close to you. And hey, I got a member next to me, both sides and across the street, wherever, where there, I mean, we kind of take that for advantage, but there they hey, if there was a member that lived across the street from them, that'd be really cool for them kind of a thing. So, but yeah, that's kind of what I'd say about them. They're really, they're really nice people. What about anyone who wasn't a member, being a missionary, going out, knocking doors? How, were people pretty nice to you? Were they open to, like, talking about Jesus Christ or God? Or were they kind of closed off to religion? What what was everyone else like? Yeah, so... uh for the majority, I would say that people are fairly open, but it would be the similar to the states, I would say. So some people, you know, hey, I, I don't maybe feel like I need religion, you know, no big deal kind of thing. But I would say most people are more Christian oriented than not, I would guess, just as far as like maybe a cultural aspect, if you will, God fearing people more or less. But obviously there, there's different churches up there, you know, as there would be anywhere, you know, Baptist and Lutheran and things like that. So I think for the most part, people are pretty like, cordial and nice and you know we did actually knock doors quite a bit just because that was kind of the nature of of our mission a little bit there and uh people we didn't have any i mean obviously you have some experiences that's like oh well you know we kind of got run off the porch or whatever right but for the most part you know people are just cordial to say 
oh, great. Yeah, I talked to you guys before, you know, kind of a thing. I, I know what you're about. I'm maybe not interested. Or some people are like, oh, yeah, sure. You make, you know, I'm, I've, I've heard of you guys. I know so-and-so who's maybe a member of the ward, that geographic area. I know them and that kind of a thing. So for the most part, people are pretty nice. Yeah. And temple-wise, did you have a temple in your area or uh, have there been temples announced since? So there, there wasn't a temple in Calgary when I first started, but then about eight months in or so, they announced one um, in a general conference, and everyone was pretty ecstatic about that, <laughs> the Canada Calgary Temple. So, but there was, uh, there was a border town that's about 15 to 20 minutes north of the Montana border called Cardston. And funny about that town, there, a bunch of uh, like settlers from uh, Utah originally like went up to Canada to kind of settle up there. So a lot of the towns that are bordering Montana up into Canada, so like Lethbridge, McGrath, Raymond, and Cardston are all like very uh, member populated, I guess, if you will. So there is a temple in Cardston that was in our mission, but that was the only one. And uh, But they announced one maybe when I was about eight months in. But then they started groundbreaking, oh, maybe a few months before I left. So it was never built or anything, but so it took a little bit. Wow, that's exciting. I have to go up and visit that temple one day. That'd be really cool. Yeah, it'd be cool. Yeah, makes the background on your missions, Vince. It's fun to hear about what members are like, what other countries are like around the world. That's one thing we love on this podcast is learning what it's like around the world. It's really fun. So thank you for sharing. If you wouldn't mind, let's jump into your mission experience. Would you mind sharing a few experiences where you saw the hand of the Lord helping you in the gathering of Israel? So one of the things that uh, was interesting is is our, our mission president would come up with uh, lots of different challenges, I guess you would say, right? And so uh, one of the challenges that we had was, you know, and some missionaries were kind of against this and, you know, I, I could see kind of why, but he said, hey, every single lesson that you have uh, challenge the investigator, right? Like challenge them to to be baptized, right? Challenge them to join the church if they felt like this was true, right? And uh, you know, kind of give them that that baptismal challenge, if you will. And a lot of missionaries were a little bit skeptical, like every single, like every single like lesson, right? Like, and there, and he's like, yes, every single lesson, you should do this. And uh, they were a little bit skeptical, so we had this challenge, and it, and I guess it kind of got around to some of the members of the church as well, I guess, around there, some of the wards and whatnot. And they were a little bit like, hey, if I have someone and they're just going to challenge to be baptized every single time, like, that, I don't know about that kind of thing, right? Anyway, we we, we went to, I was on exchange with a, with a, a missionary, and we were in, uh, I believe it was McGrath, but I, I can't remember exactly if it was McGrath or versus Lethbridge, but anyway... And he had mentioned this before. He's like, hey, I know we're supposed to do this, but I don't know if we should because, like, the member said, don't do this. And we're having dinner, and then the investigator had a lesson afterwards, and it's all set up. But, like, we shouldn't do that, right? Like, don't challenge him to do that. And I was like, well, I mean, think about it. Like, there's got to be a reason why. You know what I mean? There's got to be a reason why we should do this every single time. Anyway, so we got into it, and we got talking, and, and uh, you know, had dinner with uh, – the friend not member and and the member and anyway uh we got to the lesson and it was actually a wonderful lesson like great spirit that was there i obviously don't remember like the the details of what was being taught since it was a little while ago but it was so good to to the the fact that i do remember some things that they said i said hey it's okay you don't have to do it you don't have to give the challenge i will do it because obviously i'm like the exchange missionary i'm not like the one that's here in case something is like not good like they don't see me or whatever but it was really good, and and uh, and we challenged them like, hey, like, well, how do you feel right now when we talk about this? And they said, I feel like really good. This gives me like a really good feeling, right? Like I, like I feel like like this is good, right? What I'm hearing is good from you guys. 
and I said, well, hey, like what you're hearing is a spirit, right? Like what you're hearing and what you're feeling is that the spirit's telling you that this stuff is true. And uh, I just kind of subtly went into it to say, hey, well, if, if you know that this is true and you feel like this is true, would you be baptized if you felt like this was true? And if this has felt like, you know, the Lord is telling you this is right, would you do that? He was like, oh, yes, of course I would. Yeah, if I felt this was true, of course I would. And I said, well, I mean, if, if you feel like that now, I mean, would we challenge you? Hey, maybe we think about maybe in the next few weeks, if you keep meeting with us and you feel like that's the right thing, we make that a goal and we work towards that. And, and he's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And, and then the member jumped in right then and said, I just know that this is such a great choice that you're making right now. And they're like, this is, and, and this was the member that was like, I don't know if this is going to work. Like you got this. very careful with what you're doing. Right. And, and I, I had left, right. Cause we were on an exchange for a day or two. And, uh, this person ended up getting baptized, but it was cool. Cause the member actually like said, yes, like, I know that this is like, right. This is, this is amazing. Like, this is what it did to me. And it was just kind of a, a comforting thing that, Hey, the hand of the Lord is in like the work that we do, even down from like different challenges that come from, you know, the mission president or mission leader, right. To say, Hey, here's what we're going to do. And if you do it every lesson and, and we start doing that every lesson and you know, you don't have to make it scary or anything like that. You can go into it like this. And, uh, it was amazing. So yeah, something that definitely was like, I don't know about this to, wow, this turned out to be exactly what, what needed to happen. Wow. Yeah. And it can be hard on the mission. Yeah. You get pushed in ways that make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Mission presence. They like to do that. Right. And you have to understand they're inspired. They're being led by the Lord, they can be uncomfortable. But one thing I love too, you mentioned is teaching the investigator that they were feeling the spirit. For those of our listeners who haven't served missions, a major part of serving a mission is teaching people when they are feeling the spirit because they don't know it. They've never felt it necessarily. Maybe they have, but helping them recognize it and what they're feeling is it's the spirit and saying, hey, what these guys are teaching you is true. So if any of you haven't served missions, start paying attention to that, how you feel when you're feeling the spirit and know how to point that out. It's a very important part of the mission. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up, Jason, because I was thinking about that. The other couple of things that stood out to me, I love seeing the faith that it takes to take on those challenges, right? That your mission president gives, that leaders give. There are times that it is uncomfortable or you, you know, you start kind of working it up in your mind of, oh, can I do this? Is this going to be awkward? Like, I don't know about this. But to find ways and to, um, I guess, to realize that, you know, when you are talking about Jesus Christ, when you're talking about his gospel, it does come very naturally to talk about the spirit, to help them realize like these things are good that, that we are talking about, like that feeling that you're, um, those good feelings that you are feeling, that is the spirit. And, and so it doesn't have to be as scary and as awkward as, as you might think it to be. But I, I love seeing the faith that it takes, especially with young missionaries, like serving a mission that could be terrifying to take on those challenges and it takes faith, but, but it's important for us to take that step of faith so that we can see the hand of the Lord so that he can come in and help us in those situations, help us realize it's, it's not that scary. I've got your back. If you, if you are willing to do what I ask, I've got your back. So I, I think that's really cool with, with that. Any, any other experiences that you have got on your mind? There's one other one, I suppose. I mean, there's a lot, right? But um, there was one other one where uh, it was interesting. We, we were walking down this this area and uh, we saw like, a, so I, I served in the singles ward. So a bunch of the stakes are divided, right, in, in Calgary. And then each one had a singles ward. 
And so the, the zone leaders would serve in the singles wards and then all the other missionaries in the family wards. And so I served in the singles ward um, at this particular time. We were walking down this out roadway or whatnot, and and we saw uh, like a, I don't know, probably 18 to maybe 24-ish uh, young lady that was walking down the road. And she kept like turning back to us and like looking at us. And obviously like we get that all the time, right? Like, oh yeah, the, there's those guys walking down the street, you know, <laughs> the, you know, the, the Mormon guys or whatever, you know, whatever the case is. And uh, so we didn't really think anything of it, but she kind of kept doing it a lot. And we weren't that far behind her, maybe, I don't know, like 50 feet, something like that, but she kept looking at us. And so we're like, I don't know, speed up. Let's like see if she like wants to ask us something, right? And so we sped up to her and and, and just kind of like tapped her. And uh, she was like, oh, hey. And we was like, hey, you know, I know you kept looking back or not. Maybe you're curious, want to talk to us. Like, oh, we, we thought maybe you wanted to say something or whatever. And she was like, you know, I, I was thinking about it, but then I kept turning around because I wanted to like maybe say something. I ah, no, I won't. Anyway, so we ended up talking to her for a minute. She had a friend, uh, a really close friend that had passed away, I suppose. Anyway, we, we talked to her for a minute and said, well, hey, like, and she was going through, I guess, a really hard time because it only happened like just a short time before this. And uh, she had said, I, I know that you guys talk about God and things like that. So I'm, I'm really curious about like what happens like after we like go, after we die. It was interesting. It was a perfect segue into like the conversation about, like, you know, that plan of happiness and you know, where we came from and why and where we go. And uh, anyway, we set up a time to actually go and meet with her later because uh, she, I think, had like class or something like that that she was going to because we kind of served in a little bit of a college town. We had the appointment. We actually went back and she was there like she was like ready for us to like teach her. Right. So we brought a, another member of the singles award with us and that kind of thing, which was cool. We talked to her and we talked to her about you know, what happens afterwards. And, and it was really cool because you could tell it was kind of clicking with her as far as like, oh, wow, this actually makes sense. And like, why wouldn't there be something after life, right? And so it was really cool to kind of, to kind of see that uh, from her perspective. And uh, based on just that, I mean, it was really interesting to kind of see her countenance change and then really see the spirit like work within her. Unfortunately, I mean, so we met with her a couple more times after that, but unfortunately she actually moved. I don't know if it was like the end of the semester and she was moving back to like, her parents' house or that kind of a thing. Uh, but we gave her, and, and she was in a different city. So in Karsten, I mean, sorry, in uh, Calvary, um, you know, there's kind of like one major college that's there. There's a few, but there's kind of one major university, if you will. Anyway, I think she moved back to a different like city that wasn't in our mission. And so we, we kind of gave her, hey, like, here's what you can look up to like talk to missionaries and that kind of thing. So I actually don't know what happened, but uh, based on that, it, it was really cool just to kind of like, hey, for me and my companion, like it, we probably ought to go talk to this person. Like they look back at us and obviously we get that all the time, but this was different. Right. And it was definitely because she had a question on her mind that she wanted to ask, but was maybe like, ah, I don't want to do that kind of a thing. So, but it was really cool to kind of just see how, you know, things are coincidence and, you know, you can really have like the spirit and hand of the Lord kind of move you in different ways to help others. And to even plant the seeds, right? Like even though you don't know what happened, the fact that she was curious, she wanted to know it was making sense to her. I feel like so often we're planting those seeds for people and we don't necessarily know what happened, but what, what will happen with them in the future. But um, those seeds are so important. Yeah. And, and it's cool too. We talked about how missions push you outside your comfort zone before that. Like I would never have walked up to someone 50 feet in front of me and like, Hey, why do you keep looking at me? Do you have a question? <laughs> right. Like, but when you have that responsibility, you have that calling, it's cool. It pushes you to do things you normally wouldn't do and puts you in those cool situations where you can help people, right? You can share messages of comfort, of hope in times of need, and that's fun to do. And what's cool, I loved on the mission teaching the plan of happiness, the plan of salvation, 
because everyone's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like sometimes in the churches, we're getting ready to, like you're preparing to be a missionary, you're understanding the plan of salvation. You feel like it's something you'll be teaching that people won't get, right? Like you're almost sometimes like, oh, scared to teach because this is going to sound weird. But no, on the mission, every time you teach it, people are like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It's like they're just remembering what they already know. So I love teaching the plan of salvation on the mission. Yeah, great. So from those experiences, um, how how did they change you or did they help you to learn anything specific? Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, I would say this, like uh, a mission in and of itself, it, it grounds you, right? Like it grounds you in 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 the teachings of the gospel. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it's interesting because you, you go through lots of different circumstances. Like I was able to teach people who... Or, or even just be associated with people who are very, like, wealthy, I guess, right, in Canada, right, whatever. Like, people who have done, like, extremely well for themselves to people who have, like, extreme, extreme, like, poverty. Not, like, probably that you've experienced, Jason, in Mexico, I guess, but, you know, maybe what you'd see in the States or something. Um, so it's interesting, right? So, but the gospel is for everyone, right? So it doesn't matter color, race, you know, wealth, anything like that. Um, and so I think it really grounds you in, in, like, what the gospel is. And it's a it's a wonderful thing right and so i think because of that you you're humbled you're a better person to to like uh feel and be adapt to the spirit and what like you need to do and what he would have you do on different things and so and also being able to see like the hand of the lord in your life but one of the things is you you become a better instrument you you're better to to have the the lord i guess guide you and, and kind of receive that revelation for yourself because you do that a lot on a mission which I think sets you up for making decisions and helping you live a gospel-centered life, you know, beyond the mission, right? So um, those are some of the things that definitely have changed me, um, where beforehand, right, I, I kind of knew that and whatnot, but maybe I didn't practice that, where on a mission definitely helps you, like, get into practice, like, how to apply those things and then and then use utilize that in your life. That's awesome. It, it is fun to see how you change, right, on a mission and you learn so much. You grow so much. They say it's like taking 60 years of church service down in two years. It's a lot. <laughs> awesome. It, it's good to serve. So you mentioned too that you had members that would go with you on lessons and things like that. How did you see everyone change who, were, who was trying to help you in that work? Yeah, I mean, like I said, some of those, uh, like that one member I kind of talked about earlier, he was a little hesitant of us beforehand, that kind of thing, but gave that challenge. And oh man, you could tell that the light switch was just like turned on and like, oh wow, the spirit's here. Like, yes, like this was mm -hmm. what we needed to do. Uh, but initially, right, like we weren't going to do that. So it's cool to kind of see them, to see them do that. But, but there was, there was one person in particular that I remember, and this was uh, like a 16 year old who would always go out with us, uh, no matter if we were, cause I, I served in, in the same state for a little while. And I served in like a, in the singles ward, like I said, and then also in the family ward too, but he'd go out with us all the time. And his name was Brendan Lyons. And, uh, oh man, this guy was, he was like 16. He was the best. <laughs> He wasn't afraid to like talk to anyone, ring any doors, anything like that. And he was like this young person, right? And especially like me as a priest, like back when, you know, I was that age, like, oh man, I'm a little hesitant to like just go and talk to someone about that, you know, and that kind of thing. But so it, it was really cool to actually see that where um, the members up there kind of had that as perhaps part of their culture because they're not dealing with members of the church all the time. And they may be the only member of their church, like in their class, or there's maybe a few members of the church, like within their elementary school, right? That kind of a thing. So it's really cool, especially in, in like Calvary, I guess. But as you get like further down, there's a lot more members down south. But yeah, so I mean, so so they kind of had that ingrained and they, they were like, 
them are missionaries all the time, if you will. And I kind of, it was cool because they would like stand for, Hey, this is what I do. And, and they really like defined and determined in kind of like the, the church standards and kind of how, what they lived by. So they were cool member missionaries in, in my view. So I really liked it. That's awesome. Yeah. 16 year old that bold. That's amazing. His brother Lions. He was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> And how powerful for the members, like even if they're member missionaries, to be able to go out with the missionaries and to be in those lessons, to feel the spirit, to really see the work of the Lord like happening. That's that is cool. I I feel like that just adds an extra spark for for members and and helps them gain a better understanding of the gospel as a whole as well. Yeah. Thanks for sharing about your mission, Spence. And yeah. like you mentioned too, you know, missions help provide a foundation to build upon for the rest of your life, right? You really mm-hmm. understand the basic principles of the gospel. The Savior becomes your best friend. You are working with him day in, day out, and it sets you up for success the rest of your life as long as you keep doing those things you need to be doing, right? So I want to ask you, how did your mission set up that firm foundation for you? And how has that blessed you as your family has gone through trials? Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's definitely set it up for me because, I mean, a, a lot of things, too, on the mission are maybe life-centered, maybe not necessarily all the way gospel-centered, if you will. So, like, on the mission, you set a lot of goals, for example, right? And so, and, and I try to set goals. I mean, sometimes I'm great at it. Sometimes I'm not great at it. It maybe depends on the season or, you know, whatever the case is, I suppose. But it's one of those things, right, where you kind of set goals and you try to achieve things, too, right? And and you can do that in life, whether it's gospel-centered or not, right? So, one of those things, too, that's an aspect of... Of, of going on a mission has definitely helped to like, hey, determine what you kind of want to do or what you want to achieve or, or what you want to have a goal for, what, regardless of what it is, right? And then working towards that um, is one aspect too uh, that I think is important that, that kind of develops through a mission. But then, yeah, having having the the foundation of the gospel in your life and teaching people in all sorts of different circumstances from someone who lost people, someone who have people that are going through things, um, people who have... I remember we gave a blessing to someone who, who their son like lost their legs because of a drug addiction and and that kind of a thing that happened. We gave them a blessing and and that kind of a thing. Um, not to necessarily restore their legs because it was before that happened, but then they ended up losing them. But still, he came back to church and it, it was interesting to to kind of see all these different facets of life that you see. Where sometimes if you're just, you know. If you if you haven't gone on mission, maybe you're not being exposed to that, but maybe you still are exposed to those different things. But you definitely see how the gospel works in the myriad of facets of people's lives. That's just amazing for everyone. And so when like you go through str- struggles or, or trials in your own life, you definitely kind of relate that back and you've seen how the gospel has experienced that in others. But also you see that in the scriptures too, right? It's all over the Book of Mormon, right? With like Nephi and his family and Laman and Lemuel. And, you know, they're always murmuring and that kind of a thing. But, you know, Nephi's being strong. And even though Nephi sometimes is is a little bit like, hey, woe is me as far as like, why do I droop at sin and that kind of thing too. But he knows like where he's grounded, right? And what what he's doing. And it's because of, you know, the gospel centeredness that he has. And so I think the uh, where we're grounded is definitely um, that helps us through those trials. And so, yeah. So, I mean, one of the aspects that for me in my life, so I have a, our fourth child here, her name's Emery. So she has, well, I, we, we found this in, in uh, while my wife was pregnant with her. So she has complete heart block, which just means, so she, so around 16 weeks of my wife being pregnant, we found out where we kind of, we have a home Doppler and her heart rate was a little bit like lumpy. It wasn't like a, a strict beat. And so uh, we're like, oh, that's kind of odd. So we went in and checked it out. 
And uh, apparently the electrical nodes um, that are in your heart uh, can get attacked by some antibodies, apparently that my wife kind of carries that unbeknownst to us that can occur, right? And uh, anyway, so her, her node, I guess, for electronic node in her heart was kind of being destroyed by this uh, antibodies. And so anyway, we found this out, luckily at kind of like an early stage, I guess. But at the same time, she has complete heart block to where they didn't know that she was actually going to go full term. They didn't know if she was actually going to make it because it's kind of a slight chance. Some people do make it. Some children don't. Just depends because sometimes the heart just gives out because it, it doesn't know how to beat regularly now. And it can't like electrically say, hey, top and bottom be succinct. And so it's irregular. And sometimes the oxygen within the body and that kind of a thing doesn't actually like work the right way. And so organs can fail and lots of different complications can occur from this. Anyway, we had this. She had this, and uh, luckily we, we were able to go all the way up to 36 weeks and then be induced and uh, take the baby. And within, oh, I guess it was probably like a few hours of her being born, she had to have a pacemaker, right? And so she has a pacemaker in her body, and she was all blue, and uh, it was crazy. Like half of her body is blue, half of it's pink because it's like a little bit irregular, and they had to kind of fix that, and she had to be on oxygen. And uh, so she was on oxygen and she was in the hospital um, at Primary Children's Hospital for, oh, I think it was like about six weeks in the hospital. And then we were actually able to take her home. She was on the feeding tube for a few months after that and then oxygen up until six months after she came back home just to kind of keep her alive and that kind of thing. And it was all during kind of COVID. And we didn't want her to get sick and all that stuff. But I'll tell you, though, like, even though, even though, you know, it's, it's, it's a trial and, and we even have this to this day, right, where... We're a little concerned about her and, um, you know, her pacemaker, hopefully like the battery's still, you know, good. We get it checked every once in a while. Like I think she'll have to have it rest of her life. It's, it's not something that can just heal. And so it's something that we have, but I'll tell you this though, like my wife and I, you know, had said, Hey, like whether, whether we lose the child obviously, or whether we like keep her in the early stages when we found this, it's, it's up to the Lord, right? The, like, there are circumstances in our life that, that occur that, are are they just are right like there's unexplained things that occur but it's not to anyone's fault it's not my fault it's not her fault it's not and it's no one's fault right but being but being grounded in the lord and his plan and the guidance that we have in the gospel definitely i mean it's not it everything is obviously hard to go through whatever struggles you are but the peace and the comfort that you get knowing that the savior's there on your side doesn't matter what outcome it is you know if if my daughter were to pass away or if she were to you know stay and live he's there for us we know the plan we'd be able to see her again if she did pass away luckily she's still great she's she's doing pretty well she's really small so she doesn't like grow very well just because of the things she has or whatever but we love her and she's amazing and it's just one of those things too right that if i didn't have the gospel in my life i could see where you know, why does, you know, God maybe hate me this way? Or, or why was I sent this? Or all these different questions, right, that you may ask just because you don't have answers to that, you know, life circumstances are hard or whatnot. But having the gospel definitely increases your vision and then the, the bigger picture of, of, uh, of how the plan of happiness works and, uh, and, and really what, what's the core of that, which gives you comfort and gives you the ability to kind of work through those things too, right? With more peace. It's not, it's not like it's easy, but with more peace and with more comfort, if you will. That is so powerful. I, as you were talking, I want to say I'd forgotten that during that time, um, your wife had posted on Facebook and I happened to mm. read that post and I, I cried. I just, I'm, 
I worked at Primary Children's for a number of years and I, you know, kind of understood like what, what that would mean. And honestly, for how, how scary that can be when you find out news like that and you just pray and you want something to turn out, you know, how you want it to turn out. And you're right, having that grounding to be able to turn it over to the Lord, how powerful that can be and how much peace and comfort that can, can bring to understand the plan of salvation, to understand the atonement, to understand all these things that we learn through the gospel and what a blessing it is to, to, to have that in our lives. It makes such a difference and truly to have that grounding in your life makes all the difference in those hard situations that life throws at all of us as a missionary I think you go you know you're going through your mission and and you don't even realize the the hardships that you can face afterwards um or the the important things that you were learning on your mission that will help you through those hardships um you just don't even fathom what what can happen in life and and then when you get off the mission and you start you know life starts to hit you and starts to knock you down it it's such a blessing to be able to turn to the lord it's such a blessing to be able to uh, have gained that trust in him to turn things over to him to relieve some of that fear or burden from your life and to find that peace and comfort yeah and it's it's funny because like she said you know you teach for 18 months two years about these principles on your mission, but you have no idea life's going to hit you like a freight train, right? Later on. Yeah. So now it's like, now I actually have to live what I've been preaching. And that's the hardest yeah. part, right? It's easy to teach it. Yeah. But once you have to live it. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I remember your wife would post on Facebook and it was awesome. She is a woman of faith, very strong faith. So it's fun to see her post about that. And then letting her, she would share those updates. She would share those miracles with everyone else too, which I love. Instead of just say, like keeping it to herself, it's fun to share those miracles to help build the faith of others. I think there were a lot of people praying for Emory and, and it, it's fun to see it worked out the way we would all hope, right? Which is really exciting. But I, I love that you had the faith that no matter what happened, you would still rely on the Lord. You would love him and, and trust his plan. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that, Spencer. It's fun to see, yeah, again, the mission, how say you go know, for, you know, setting that foundation of faith for the rest of your life. And, and you know, more trials are going to come. Like you mentioned, we live in a mortal experience. Like you said, it's not, it's no one's fault. It's just part of living in a mortal fallen world and we're here to grow. We're here to learn. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have experienced that too, right? They, they're trying to live the gospel. They still get hit by trials, but that's okay. That, that's what we're here for. It's hard and it would be harder without the Lord to rely upon. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that Spence. And as we, we jump kind of back to missionary work too. So what advice would you have for members of the church in sharing missionary work? I know a lot of us struggle with that, right? It can be hard to open your mouth. So what advice would you have? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it, it is interesting because on the mission, man, I, I felt like I was pretty bold and like I, I wasn't afraid to go and talk to anyone or anything like that, right? Because I mean, that's just kind of what you're doing all day, every day. And so then being off of it and you have maybe different priorities now and things like that. So now I'm probably a little bit more apt to be a little bit more like skittish too, right? Which is kind of like, sad i guess in a way that we kind of fall back to that but i mean it, it just kind of made me natural i suppose but one of the things i think i guess one of the things that, that that i need to do better on and that i would challenge people to do is uh i guess one first and foremost to, to be an example to others right so like live what you believe if that makes sense so uh i mean that means just like so being, being an example right so it doesn't matter if you're at work or 
you know, school, friends, whatever the case is, if you live what you're believing and you're doing missionary work in the sense that you are being an example to those around, and it makes it easier and more comforting as long as you're consistent with that, right, for people to actually ask you questions and to be more open about things with you because the way that you live your life, if you will. So that's maybe first and foremost, I guess. Second onto that, I think uh, we should all be friends to those around us. Be willing to have conversations with people. Be willing to just be like open to people, I suppose. I'm an accountant, so maybe like I'm bad at making friends, maybe, but... Um, <laughs> No, maybe not. I, I suppose. I, I mean, I think I'm okay to talk to, I guess. But one of the things, too, that I think uh, I maybe struggle with perhaps a little bit is just be more outreaching to people, right? If if you are more relatable to people and you build friendship relationships, I suppose, if you will, and, and just have uh, an outgoing demeanor, people are definitely more likely to come up to you, too, and ask you questions that they feel like they couldn't ask someone else, if that makes sense. So as far as the members of the church and and kind of being involved in missionary work and, and what advice I would give. Um, I mean, that's one thing that I'm trying to work on, I guess, myself. But I think, too, if, if we were to do that, think about if everyone were to kind of do that, how how big of an effect that would have on, on other people, too. So be a person who's who's approachable and, uh, you know, I guess don't be afraid to have those kind of conversations that if they come up for whatever, for whatever cause. So that makes sense. I feel like that advice can go a long ways, right? Being kind, living what you believe, that can go a long ways and and really can make a big difference for those around us. Um, so what advice would you have for youth thinking about going on a mission? I guess just two words. Um, well, three words, I suppose. Uh, just do it. Yes, 100%. Like, I know everyone maybe doesn't have the circumstance that they can serve or whatever the case, right? But 100%, if you're... If you're a youth and you're looking to serve a mission and you haven't served a mission or you're you're at the age that you can make that decision, please, please, please do it. The The reason is just like this whole podcast we talked about, you're grounded like yourself, right? You get to see others. You get to help others through that gospel-centered lens. So you really are like Christ's hands, if you will. Why wouldn't you want to be Christ's hands to help other people? to come to the gospel and to help them on this covenant path to like return back to Heavenly Father, right? Why wouldn't you want to do that? And in return, you're growing your testimony, I don't know, 100 fold, seeing all these different experiences through that 100%, I would just say like, you need to go, right? And, 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 and don't get me wrong. It's hard. Like days are hard. You know, it, it's not an easy thing, but the things that are worthwhile in life, in my opinion, are not easy, if that makes sense. Whether it's like, you know, for example, college or exercising or training for an event or whatever the case, raising kids, doesn't matter, right? Or having good relationships, right? Those things all are catered and take time and effort and the things that are meaningful in life uh, and in the gospel aren't necessarily easy, if that makes sense. And so 100%, I would say, yes, please do it as the Lord will then, you'll, you'll, ha you'll feel the hand of the Lord in your life and the Spirit will help to direct you to make the decisions that He wants you to make and basically have the life that He would have you have, if you will, regardless of circumstance, right? Because we all have different, like, struggles and trials. But He'll he'll lead and guide you and and mold you into the person that you want to be. And uh, I guess why wouldn't you want to have the master mold or mold you, is my opinion. That is well said. I completely agree. Well said. Yeah, thank you, Spence. I think uh, this has been a great time spent. So, yeah, thanks for both of you. 
Yeah. yeah. No, thank you for being on here, Spence. It's been fun to get to hear more about your mission and things like that. We definitely wrote each other on the mission, so it's fun to yeah. hear about these stories. Yeah. And I get emails too as well sometimes or letters. I mean, I guess with maybe emails and or letters. I can't remember. I know it's so bad. From your family too, and I'd write them back too. So it was sweet. It was good. So good times. Yeah, man. It was really cool. Long time ago. Yeah. Feels like it was yesterday, but <laughs> we're getting old. Lord. <laughs> but yeah. No, yeah. thank you for being on here, Spence. It's been it's been good good time having you on here. Hey, you bet. My pleasure. Yeah, and if any of our listeners have a friend like Spencer, count yourself immensely blessed. So <laughs> Well, I mean, it goes both ways, so it's just not it's just not a one-way street. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a of you as well. Yeah, thanks for being great friends. Yeah, so. and thank, and thank you to our producer, Emily Allen. She does a lot of stuff behind the scenes. And thank you to our listeners. We hope you've enjoyed hearing from Spence and his experiences on his mission, how it set up him for, to have that foundation of faith, right, to go through trials and, and to keep living this mortal experience. So we'll see you, all of our listeners, next time in the Lord's Vineyard. <laughs>